the happy life, um, embracing wisdom. What we're going to do is we're going to start by reading a passage in the book of Proverbs. We're in chapter 4, and uh, we're going to read the first nine verses of Proverbs chapter 4, and then we will get right into uh, the word that we have tonight. So it's Proverbs chapter 4, and we're going to read verses 1 through 9. The Bible says, Hear ye children the instruction of a father, and attend to no understanding. For I give you good doctrine, forsake ye not my law. For I was my father's son, tender and only beloved in the sight of my mother. He taught me also and said unto me, let thine heart retain my words, keep my commandments and live. Get wisdom, get understanding, forget it not, neither decline from the words of my mouth. Forsake her not and she shall preserve thee. Love her and she shall keep thee. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore get wisdom and with all thy getting, get understanding. Exalt her and she shall promote thee. She shall bring thee honor when thou dost embrace her. She shall give to thine head an ornament of grace, a crown of glory shall she deliver to thee. When we step back and think about the big idea of the book of Proverbs, it's pretty straightforward. It's, it's wisdom, right? It's about uh, you and me receiving God's truth into our life and then practicing it, making it, making it practical and applicable to our daily life. Um, right off the bat, in the first portion of the book of Proverbs, as wisdom literature in chapter 1, the Bible says, the Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction. Wisdom is the ability or the skill to take the truth and live it out practically in my life. And what, what we talked about over the last couple of weeks as Pastor Chris sort of laid the foundation for this, this idea that when we embrace wisdom, there is a, a happy life or a blessed life. So when I grow and mature in my ability to take God's truth, revealed truth, what I know is right and good and just, and then live that out, the result of that is blessing. We don't mean by that that if I have wisdom, and I grow and mature in wisdom that I have a problem-free life. We talk about a happier, blessed life. We're talking about a life of purpose and fulfillment and contentment, right? So the happy life or the blessed life is a life of purpose, and it's a life of meaning, and it's a life of contentment, where I am experiencing the blessings of being faithful to God and to his word, where I'm seeing the way that my relationships are better, that my mental health is better, that my... Um, even physical health, that's how practical the book of Proverbs gets. And so when I talk about taking truth and, okay, what, what am I going to do with this truth? That's the whole nature of the wisdom literature and Proverbs in particular. It just gets down to business. It talks about everything from our finances to our relationships to marriage to child rearing. It's all in the book of Proverbs, how I handle my money, how I handle my work, everything laid out for us. So if I'm going to embrace a life of wisdom, if I'm going to embrace God's truth, it's important for us to think about the, what we might call the path of wisdom. So when we understand that God is the source of wisdom and we begin to receive his truth 
and we start to grow and mature, what we see is the blessings in our life and the way that it helps us to influence others. And so I want to talk about the path from where it starts to where it can ultimately end as we embrace wisdom in our life. So if you're uh, using the notes and taking the notes, we see first that wisdom comes from God. Wisdom comes from God. So the language at the beginning of chapter 4 is prominent throughout the book of Proverbs, right? Specifically, this is sometimes referred to as the paternal appeal, and it communicates a love that a father has for his children, right? So we see this kind of language over and over again because that is the, that is the theme and the spirit of the book of Proverbs. As wisdom, it's, a, it's written from the perspective of a father who loves his son, a father who loves his children, and he's trying to impart that wisdom, that truth, what is right and good and just. He's trying to communicate that to his son because he loves his son, because he loves his children. And while the clear context is in that interpersonal relationship. There, there's a big picture application that's very obviously can be made. And that is that just like this father wants to give wisdom to his son so that he can see the blessings in his life, we have a heavenly father who loves us and who wants to bring blessing into our lives. He wants to give us exactly what we need because he cares about us. He's a good father who cares about us. And we know that as our Heavenly Father, He wants to give us wisdom, and that ultimately, the truth about life and how to live it comes from God. Proverbs 2 and verse number 6, For the Lord giveth wisdom, out of His mouth cometh knowledge and understanding. So the originator and the source of wisdom, or the ability to take truth and live it out practically, where does it come from? How does it develop in my life? It comes through a personal relationship with a Father who cares about us. And so, if I'm going to have a blessed life, one that um, is wise, that lives out the truth, I have to have a relationship with God. And even in a group here tonight on a Wednesday night, my prayer for every person in this room is that you have believed in Jesus. And every time I preach or teach the Bible is an opportunity to proclaim the gospel. And even if you're here and you have believed in Jesus, don't miss the opportunity to just rejoice that you have a loving heavenly father who made a way for you to be redeemed. The Bible talks about the need to just restore sometimes that joy of our salvation. If you're here and you've believed in Jesus for salvation and you're saved and you're forgiven, you have a heavenly father who wants, to get, wants you to get close to him and who wants to give you wisdom. That's where it comes from. And it starts with a relationship with God. And so as we think about uh, wisdom coming from God, we think about ways that we can receive it from him. So we seek out truth in God's word. So wisdom comes from God and God has revealed himself and he's made himself known. And two of the ways, we call these the special forms of revelation, the person of Jesus Christ, which was the word made flesh, and then the written word of God that we call the scriptures. God has revealed himself. He's made himself known. And the source of truth and the source of wisdom is God and so when we open up the scriptures, when we read the scriptures and receive the scriptures, we are receiving a word from God, and it is in this word that we find wisdom. If I want to know what I need to be a wise person, I need to get into the scriptures. Now, we don't want to get ahead of ourselves because we're going to talk more practical in a moment. What I really want to think about is in, at this moment is just the nature of the word as it is a gift from God. Um, looking back into the text in verse number two, as the father is describing these words, he says, for I give you 
good doctrine, forsaking not my law. And as we just think about the nature of God's truth, I think about how the father is trying to reassure his children. He says, I'm giving you good doctrine, good teaching. It's sound. It's true. I'm not deceiving you. I'm not leading you astray because that's not what a good father does. A good father is going to give you the truth. It's going to give you what you need. And it is good. And this word from God, it's, it's a good word from God. It's true. It's just. It's pure. It's right. And when we think about the love that this father had for his son, we think about the love that our father had for us in revealing himself to us and giving us a word. And when was the last time you were just, you were reading your Bible or you had your Bible in church and you just realized, you reminded yourself, this is a good word from a good father. This is a gift. I've been given this from a father who loves me, right? My dad, not a big communicator, not a big caller, texter. When I went to college, there were moments where I was like, man, I'd love to hear from my dad, you know? But he was, you know, if you need me, you'll get a hold of me, right? Not a bad thing at all. Some of us, that kind of tends to be our personality, right? We're not necessarily going to always communicate. But I can tell you this, when I was in school and it was a long week and the phone started to ring and I looked and I thought, and I saw dad, I was stopping what I was doing to answer that call because I wanted to hear from my dad, right? There's something that's encouraging about that. Um, Do you get that feeling when you open this book? Do you get that feeling when you get into God's word? I'm excited to hear something from him. Or is this word become a little has it become a little dry to you? Has it lost a little bit of its life to you? Because I can tell you, the word is a living word. God's word is living truth. It's, it, the problem is never the word. The problem is always us sinners. And one of the reasons that we get together as brothers and sisters in Christ and just encourage ourselves is because sometimes with the speed at which life moves and all the responsibilities and all the things that sort of drown it out, we can forget we've been given a good word from a good father who loves us. And so if I want to be wise, I've got to seek out the truth in God's word. And I've got to remind myself, this is a good word from a good father. He said, don't forsake my law. Don't don't look for wisdom somewhere else. I'm giving you what you need. And the temptation in a world of extremely uh, large amounts of easily accessible information (laughs) is to look in different places. And I'm grateful for all the other ways that we can grow. And like, listen, there's sometimes I watch a YouTube video to figure something out, right? I don't open the Bible, especially when it comes to like fixing things in my house, right? But I'm saying that when it comes to daily living, when it comes to my relationships and my work and my money and the, the stuff that life is made up of, the, the, the primary source of information and truth needs to be the good word from my good father, right? Because wisdom comes from God and I seek it out in his word, But we don't just seek out truth in God's word, which we'll think more practically about in a minute. But I also also pray for wisdom. Um, One New New Testament book, the book of James, is heavily influenced by the wisdom literature, in particular, the Proverbs. In fact, a very um, fun exercise for you as you desire to study and understand Scripture more, read the book of Proverbs, then read the book of James, see the parallels in imagery and and literary style, and especially his emphasis on the need for wisdom, because it's a theme that 
that he, he starts off with in the book of James. And something that he says in James that I think is so important for us as we think about this idea of embracing wisdom is he says in James chapter 1 and verse number 5, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. I seek out the truth in his word, and then I pray for wisdom. I, I want to be a wise person. I want to be somebody who can take the truth that I know and live it, that can apply it to my marriage and to my work relationships and to my finances and to the decisions that I make every day. I want to be able to live that out. Have you asked God for that? Have you prayed for that? And when we read in James, where James just lays it out there and says, if you need wisdom, right? If, if, you, if you want that, you can ask God for that. Um, to say that, we're, as we're going to see, wisdom is, is learned, there's growth, and there's maturity. So I'm not saying that if you pray, God make me wise, and all of a sudden, poosh, you're going to be better at making decisions, and you're going to uh, have a, an insight that you didn't have before. But I know this, that if you pray for wisdom, if you ask God, what he will do is he's going to give you a heart that is sensitive to the ways he wants to grow you and mature you so that you can be wise, right? It's not a um, someday God might answer that prayer and make me wise and I'll wake up one day and think, you know what? I think differently about things now. No, but as God works in your life and matures you in your life, as you cry out to God and say, God, I'm seeking your word. I'm doing the things that I know I need to do to get that truth into my life. And I pray for wisdom. I pray for the skill, the ability, the maturity to be able to take your word and live it. <clears throat> and that's what I want. And you cry out to God. The Bible says God hears and answers that prayer. So pray for wisdom. If you haven't made that part of just the regular uh, prayer that you pray to God, that you cry out to him for, Make it part of what you pray. There are a few things. I mean, there, there's some stuff that we're told specifically to pray for. But James in the New Testament, this is one of the more explicit places. He says, if you don't have it, ask for it, right? And you just don't see that with so much uh, in the New Testament. That's significant to me. If God says in his word, if you don't have it, if you want it, if you see deficiency in your life, or you long for better understanding, better insight, better discernment, pray for it. And God hears and answers our prayers. So as we think about wisdom coming from God, we understand it's a good word from a good father. May we see it like that. And then may we pray for it. May it be something that we really want, that we long for, that we're willing to take to God and cry out for. So there's wisdom comes from God. Second, in your notes, wisdom is learned. It's clear from the book of Proverbs that wisdom is available to those who want it, but it is also something that must be pursued after. If wisdom is the skilled application of God's truth, then just like any other skill, it has to be developed. Right? If it is the skillful, the ability to apply God's truth, it's something that we grow into, that we mature in. Here in the text, in verse number 3, he says, for I was my father's son, tender and only beloved in the sight of my mother. He taught me also and said unto me, let thine heart retain my words, keep my commandments and live. Get wisdom, get understanding, forget it not, neither decline from the words of my mouth, forsake her not and she shall preserve thee, love thee, love her and she shall keep thee. 
Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom, and with all thy getting, get understanding. Right? It's clear that as he speaks to his son, he says, if you want wisdom, you can have wisdom, but you've got to get it. Go get it. Right? If, 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 I'm, if I have that posture before God where I say, I, I, I see his word as a gift that I want to receive into my life so I can obey it, and I have that spirit of prayer, Lord, give me wisdom. Right? Then I am going to do something with this word. I'm going to make purposeful choices in my life. Right? The, the source of wisdom is God. The start of it all is my relationship with him. And I'll ultimately, as we're going to see, I rest in him for the work that he wants to do in my life. But when, I, when we talk about the decisions and the choices that we make, it's like God has given us a word, but he doesn't force feed us this word. I mean, we have, a, um, we have the bread, uh, the meat, the milk, all these images of scripture and his words that are used using this analogy of food, but he doesn't force feed his, his children. We have the ability, the privilege, it's a gift to us, and we can do something with it or not. And so where it starts is simply receiving it into our lives. When he said, my father said to me, so there's this re, uh, repeating of words, right? So if it was Solomon in this particular section, and there's different uh, authors in different sections of the Proverbs, but if we understand this as Solomon speaking to his son, he said, and I got this from my dad, and here's what David, my dad, said to me. And he said, retain my words, keep my commandments, and live. He said, I have a word for you. I have a truth for you. And where it starts is you've got to receive it. You've got to be open for it to have a place in your heart and in your life so that you can live it. So as we talk about just receiving uh, the truth, how do we receive God's truth uh, into our lives? Well, if we talk about with the word of God and a sensitivity to the Holy Spirit who works in our lives. Um, these are the basics, but it's so important. We receive the word by reading it. If I'm going to know what this thing says, I've got to read it. I was talking to our, young, our college kids on Monday night as we were just talking about the gift of the word and, and talking about studying the word. And, and, and the truth is, um, the, the whole idea that I've got to get, spend some time reading my Bible so that I can meditate on it, receive it into my life in that way, that's such a Oh man, I've been hearing that my whole life in church. The reality is that the vast majority of people in the United States that identify as Christians do not read their Bibles. That's the vast majority of it. And the truth is that as simple as something as regularly receiving the word through reading in my life is, uh, the Christians that are experiencing the great blessing of what that actually accomplishes in their life is sadly, sadly a low number. And so we have to challenge ourselves in this way, right? So we could say, oh, reading your Bible, talking about reading your Bible, that's just, oh, it's just so basic. I mean, we're going to keep repeating that? Well, until God's people start taking that word seriously, yeah, we better keep repeating that. We need to read the word. We need to receive it into our lives. And I would encourage you that if you don't have that time where you spend with God, where you're reading his word, and listen, I don't... They said, you got to read 10 chapters, 50 chapters, 100 chapters, got to read through the Bible seven times in a year, 10 times in a year, 12. No, you just need to read it. However God might work and whatever your life looks like, you need to be receiving this word into your life. If I'm going to be wise, I need to read it. I need to receive it into my life in this way. I need to study it. I need to have a personal um, time where I'm digging into the word, where, I, where I'm getting into it so that I can understand or make the sense of it. I need to study Scripture, And I want to encourage you that if you don't have a time in your life 
uh, or practice or habit in your life of really personally receiving the word in this way, that you make that a habit in your life. Because if I want to be wise, if I want to be a person that has wisdom, I need to know what it says, and I need to know deeply. I need to think deeply about what it says. Because uh, I, I, life is complicated, and, and the, the challenges that we face are complicated. And if I'm thinking deeply on Scripture and really making the sense of it so that I, I know what this word says, right? I know what I believe and why I believe it, that's how I live it. Right? And when we talk about being a wise person, it's somebody, another way you could say it is that it's a principled person, a person who has conviction. They have deeply held beliefs and you can see it in the way they talk and in the way they react. Right? It's obvious this person has principles and truth that guides them. And the only way that that happens is when it's able to take deep root through personal study. We receive the word through preaching and teaching. And um, I know that this kind of is like, well, this is sort of like a shameless plug, right? You preacher, teacher, go to a local church and you receive. I want to say this, as a, as a believer and as somebody who loves the Scripture and the New Testament, what I see is the opportunity to come together as brothers and sisters and to receive the Word, to read it together, and to have someone uh, teach it or preach it, to receive it, is so vital to our understanding of God's truth. And so we receive it in this way. And so... We, are, we have to be grateful for that, the gift that that is, and we don't want to forsake it, right? The whole point of, of being able to come together and understand the word, and it, it doesn't have to do with the, the person. It has to do with the word. And so as, as we gather together as brothers and sisters in the context of the church or in a life group, and we read it together, and maybe it's preaching like this, which is more uh, monologue, or we uh, have a discussion where it's dialogue. However, we're getting together and receiving the word together, we need it. Right? It's so vitally important if we're going to be wise. How about the testimony of other believers in your life? Um, the Proverbs have a lot to say about the company that we keep. And when we talk about the need to be wise, one of the emphasis, the emphasis that uh, Solomon places when he's talking to his son is that you've got, you got to have people in your life that speak truth into your life, particularly the truth of God's word. You've got to have people in your life who are going to talk to you about what God says and who are going to challenge you when it comes to what God says. Do you have um, a brother or sister in your life? All of us, you know, if you work, you have to go to school, all these different places we're going to be, we're going to have relationships, even friendships with people who don't share our faith. We're going to have interactions with people that don't share our faith. And that's part of living in the world. And we don't, we don't shy away from those, right? The idea is that we only have relationships with people who know. Well, we can't be witnesses if we do that. But you need people in your life who, your brothers and your sisters, who when you see them and you have conversation with them and you talk with them, that one of the things you're going to talk about is God's word. That one of the things you're going to be asked about by that person is, is how God is working in your life through his word. There was this guy in Bible college, and you'd think Bible college would be a place where everybody's just high on Bible. But the truth is, the <laughs> truth is Bible college is a place where you kind of get sick and tired of it, right? So I had, uh, but there was a guy, <clears throat> and he would see me, and he'd be like, how is God speaking to you through his word recently? And I was like, well, I just came out of a class where we talked about the Bible, and we're going to chapel to talk about the Bible. And I'll tell you, I'll, I mean, I, well, do you take your pick, right? But the more that I got to know him, the more I began to see that this was more than just words for him. When he would 
ask somebody, how is God speaking to you through his word? He genuinely meant it. And I thought to myself, if I could have people in my life who I can talk to about the sports and I can talk to about my job and I can talk to about politics, if you dare, and I, I mean, I, if I have people who I can have conversations with about these things, I think I could have uh, relationships with people in my life, brothers and sisters in Christ, who I can talk to about the word, who can just ask me, how's God been working in your life through the word? If you were intentional about having somebody in your life who would ask you that question, it would make, it would create an accountability that we desperately need. And whether it's like me with that guy where it's like, I've got to like dive out of the way so I don't see him, right? Because I don't want to be asked that question again, right? But what it creates in our life, if, if you've got somebody, and listen, I don't mean that's all we ever talk about. I'm saying that friends, godly people, brothers and sisters in Christ who spend time with you and who through the course of conversation are going to ask you, how's God working in your life? Because I want to be a wise person. I want to be somebody that has wisdom. And if I spend my time with people who I know are going to challenge me in that way and who are going to encourage me in that way are going to speak into me in that way, if you're married, you ought to talk about the scriptures with your spouse. Now, if you're here and your spouse isn't a believer or you say the relationship is not such that I don't know, I don't know about that, I want, to, I want to encourage you. I'm going to pray for you. I want to pray for you because having conversations with your spouse about the word right? I don't mean like, listen, there are days where I come home, my wife's had a long day taking care of the kids. She's got her business, got the business that she does from home. She's got a lot of responsibility. So I don't kick down the door and then I'm like, honey, let's have a conversation about revelation, right? No, that's, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm saying that if I have a relationship with my spouse where I can say, look, you know, the other day, Pastor Tony was preaching and he, he, he pointed something out and that was an encouragement to me. Did you, do you remember that part? I mean, what stood out to you? If it's just a simple um, creating this culture of conversation about God's word. It, there's something special about that. If you're married and you don't talk about the word, talk about the ways that you receive the word in your life with your spouse, you ought to try that. And you make a big difference. Even if you just started in little ways. If we just bring it up. We can receive the word in that way through brothers and sisters in Christ. And then there's counselors and mentors, right? Not only should I watch the company I keep, but Proverbs also puts an emphasis on having people in my life that I go to, right? So I'm not talking about a friend who's going to have a conversation with me with, this is good, that's good, you need that. But I'm talking about a spiritually mature person, a person who you say, that's a wise person, right? And the process of like identifying a person like this in your life and, and building a relationship with them, that's, that's something that takes time. But as God brings people into your life who can be your mentors and can be your counselors, these are people that you go to when you have an issue and you say, I don't know what to do in this situation. I don't know how to handle this. There's a conflict in my family or I'm, I have an ethical choice I have to make it work. And um, what do you think about this? People who can speak into your life wisdom. You want to be a wise person, find yourself a wise person and, and learn from them, grow from them. I was encouraged to have mentors for the different areas of my life. Um, I, uh, my, one of my family members, um, he's, his wife, their family, there's five girls. And the first time that we spent any time with this family, 
I noticed something. This guy's daughters love him. I mean, they love him. Not like love him. I mean, they, they, they think, I mean, they, I, it was unbelievable. And I remember thinking to myself, I really would like for my daughters to like me that much. And I was talking with a friend and I was telling them this. I was like, I don't know what this guy did. When these girls, they were all by that time, the, the youngest was a senior in high school. But the way that they just, I'm like, I know he wasn't perfect. I can be pretty sure of that, right? But I don't know what else. And I just, I mean, you talk about just a moment of like, aha. Uh-huh. He said, well, why don't you ask him what he did? I was like, that is a fantastic idea. Like, I should ask him, right? I should go to him and I should say, hey, what did you do? Because if I want to be a good father to my daughters, if I see somebody that, that I, that's what I want, that's what I want to be. I want to, not perfect, but something worked, something happened, and, and I want to try. Not to say that it'll all work out that way, right? But I want to try. I want to do my best. And I know you guys are wondering, did I ask him? And I did. And his answer was, well, I was nice to them. That's how it started. And I was sort of disappointed, right? It was sort of a little bit of a letdown. But then he began to explain to me what that actually looked like. And he said, Matthew, your girls are young right now. And he said, if I could give you one piece of advice, I would say that if your daughters want your attention now, you give it to them. If they want your attention, they're, they're, they're young. If they want your attention, give it to them. It, 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 whatever's happening, the, the best you can, right? He said, I, I know there are situations, if it's an emergency, whatever. He said, you understand what I'm saying. If they want your attention now, give it to them. And he began to just give some wisdom. And that's how you grow. And so if you don't have people like that in your life, people that you can go to, regardless of your age, you say, I want to know that maybe I'm a different season in my life, different challenges in my life. I want to have people that I can, that I can go to that are, are counselors and mentors. We're just talking about receiving the truth into our lives. If I'm going to be wise, I need to receive it into my life. And these are the ways that I receive it. So as I receive it, it's pretty straightforward. I have to obey it. He said, my father told me, keep the commandments. Right? So once you get it, you have to do something with it. Right? You can't just sit on it. You have to use it. Going back again to the New Testament book of James with its relationship to the book of Proverbs, in chapter 1, verse 21, the Bible says, Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, which is just carnality, and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. Be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself and goeth his way and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. If any man among you seem to be religious and bridleth not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart. This man's religion is vain, pure religion and undefiled before God. And the father is this to visit the fatherless and the widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. Did you hear in those verses, a familiar word, the word blessed, right? Which is where the relationship with the book of Proverbs comes from. And he says, what gets you the blessing is not just hearing, 
What gets you the blessing is the doing. And if we don't take what we know and apply it, and see, here's the thing. It's not that we don't know. And it's not that we don't want to sometimes. It's sometimes the, the temptation. When he talks earlier about, he said, you lay aside the carnality of that. There's these, these conflicting emotions. I know what's right and I know what's true. And I also know what I think is right and what I think is true. The, the, there's, I, I'm constantly facing that battle. And to be wise is to, to grow in wisdom, is to grow in victory over sin and temptation in my flesh and to defer to God and to his word more often, right? As I become wiser, as I become more mature, I'm making better decisions because the right decision is what God says to do and the wrong decision is what my flesh wants to do. And that's what growth is all about. And if you want to see progress in your life, you see, well, I said yes to God more than the flesh and that's growth. And God wants to do that work in your life. See, the whole thing is that the whole victory has been won through what Jesus Christ has done. If we surrender and die daily, he wants to accomplish that work in our lives. It's, it's as we just, as we lose confidence in his word and put more confidence in ourselves. that's where the struggle happens. But we receive God's truth, we obey God's truth. And here's where we wanted to see about this idea of, of just resting and having confidence in his way. Philippians 4.9, I want to read this verse for you. It says, those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do. And what? And the God of peace shall be with you. So we receive it and we obey it. But what about this? We rest in it. So wisdom, the skillful ability to take the truth I've received obey it, practically apply it to my life, and then I learn to rest in it. This is a very interesting part of chapter number four. The Bible says in verse number six, forsake her not and she shall preserve thee, love her and she shall keep thee. Then again in verse eight, it says, exalt her and she shall promote thee. She shall bring thee honor when thou dost embrace her. He said God's truth revealed to us, given to us, that we can rest in. This the language, and he uses this analogy of wisdom, God's wisdom, God's truth as a woman, and he uses that throughout the book of Proverbs. But there's this imagery of just embracing. I'm just, I'm resting in it. When he talks about um, um, forsaking her not and she'll preserve thee, she'll love thee. Here's the idea, is that one of the, the temptations for us is self-preservation. I need to do what I think I need to do for it to work out best for me. And what he says is you just need to learn to rest in God's word. You need to just, you need to start trusting that God's way is the best way. And you deal with this conflict in your mind and in your heart of, I have an idea and I think it's a better idea than God's idea. And I, I don't want to do it that way. And, and whether it's in a conflict in, a, in your marriage or in a relationship in your life or whether it's an ethical decision or whatever area or situation it might be, if you're somebody who's been receiving God's truth for any amount of time, it's more than likely that you're going to say, okay, I'm, I'm pretty sure I know what God wants me to do. I, I'm, I'm pretty sure I have an understanding of what his word says about this, but I have an, another plan. And so when we learn to embrace it, rest in it, See, because our, our concerns are what's going to happen to me. Well, let, trust God's word. He'll take care of you. 
Is this Pastor Matt's promise that if you obey God's word, it's all going to work out swimmingly? That there will be no conflict? That you might not make the person at work more angry? Or that the person that you're trying to reconcile with might become more indifferent? Right? Is this us all going to work out? No. I, I, I make no promises that it will be easy. What I say is that the promise of God's word is that it's always right to trust him. It's always right to obey him. And feelings and emotions and even the repair of relationships, sometimes those come later. But it doesn't change what is right. And so if I'm learning to rest in what is right, I mean, have you ever had a moment where you did the right thing and it stunk? I mean, it felt horrible. I did the right thing and I'm not happy about it, right? I have had moments. I know what's right. I certainly know that it doesn't... uh, coincide with how I feel, but I have to learn to rest and trust. Embrace her. She'll preserve thee. She'll keep thee. You won't regret it. You got to learn to rest in God's word. And what level of confidence you have today, it could be that you're in a moment in your life where you just need to pray a simple prayer to God and say, God, help me to rest in your word more, in your truth more. I've, I've lost some confidence in it. And just help me to get that confidence back. So we rest in God's word. So wisdom comes from God and wisdom is learned, but then wisdom is passed on. This is is an interesting part of this story. And we think about it, um, we see it in two ways. So going back to the analogy of a father and a son is the big picture of God's relationship with us. But we see in context, this is a father communicating with his son. And he says, Son, I love you. I care about you. And let me tell you, your grandfather, he loved me and he cared about me too. And he gave me wisdom. And I'm trying to pass on that wisdom to you. It was hard for me not to read and study in preparation for this lesson and not be just overwhelmed with the great responsibility it is to be a parent, to have the opportunity to influence my children as we try to bring them up and teach them the word. Now, it's very important to say right off the beginning because Proverbs has, it's in Proverbs that there's one of the more notorious verses in Baptist churches, right? Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. And I say this as a pastor out of love for people in this room. If you are here and you have children that you raised in church and they no longer go to church, they no longer say that they believe in God, whatever it is. And I don't know all your stories, but I do, know, I do know this. Any guilt or shame or regret that you might carry because of that, God wants to take that for you. He does. Because as faithful as I might be to teach my children what is right, ultimately, they are going to have to decide to follow Jesus. And if they don't, I can do everything. Does that, does that mean that I cannot potentially contribute to some of the bad decisions? No, I, I have to be willing to take responsibility. But what I'm saying is that there are some who you weren't perfect, but you did what you could, and it still didn't seem to be enough, and you struggle with that. Um, I don't know the whole thing, so I can't stamp everything with approval, but I can say this. God wants to use you now. He wants to use you moving forward. And any guilt or shame or regret that you might bear because of the decisions of your children or your grandchildren, they're going to keep you from what God has for you now. You've got to give it to him. 
Now, maybe that means there's some unresolved stuff that you've got to take care of, and I pray that you will for the glory of God and for the betterment of everybody. But if it's just the daily struggle, why don't they go to church anymore? Why don't they love Jesus? Why? If it's the daily struggle, I just want to speak into that and say, God sees you, he loves you, and any regret or shame that you might deal with, it's the flesh and it's the devil. And you've got to give that to God and you've got to trust him because he wants to use you now. But as a, as a young parent, I'm, I'm reminded of what the scriptures tell us in Deuteronomy. where I'm, Of all the things that my children could say about me, I would want them to say, Dad, Dad was wise. Or Dad, he, he, you could see in the things that he said and in the things that he did that he believed something and it impacted his behavior. I would want to have a reputation of wisdom and I would want to have that kind of influence on my children. And when you go back to the book of Deuteronomy and you read that passage in chapter six where it talks about, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one God. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul. And he said, this is what you need to teach to your children. You need to talk about it when you wake up and talk about it when you go to bed and when you're walking. And it needs to be bound across the doors. The interesting thing is that you see the same kind of language in the book of Proverbs. In chapter 6, verses 20 through 22, My son, keep thy father's commandment and forsake not the law of thy mother. Bind them continually upon thine heart and tie them about thy neck. When thou goest, it shall lead thee. When thou sleepest, it shall keep thee. And when thou awakest, it shall talk with thee. I want to, I want to embrace wisdom because for me, in, this, in the season of life that I am, I have children who need that example, who need to see in their father um, character and integrity and principle. And so I'm motivated in that way. And for some of you, it's beyond children. It's grandchildren. It's uh, a different kind of influence. And regardless of what season you're in, you ought to desire to exemplify God's wisdom. You just ought want to, people in your life to see it. They know that you believe something and you believe it deeply because it, it influences you. They can hear it and they can see it. And we do so with a lot of humility and with a lot of love, right? I want to be wise, right? I don't want to be a wise guy. <laughs> I don't want to be the person who's always got something to say and everybody needs to hear it because I've, I've just got, I have it all together. No, I just want to be somebody who, if they say anything, it's he knows what he believes and he lives what he believes. And there's something about the way that he is taking care of his, his life and the way he's living his life that makes that obvious, Another way that we see the influence on others, the way that we pass it on, you can't be wise for somebody. You can't give them wisdom, but you can influence them. And as I think about our responsibility to be, just to be witnesses for Jesus, to make a difference in people's lives, I think about how the way this section of Proverbs ended. Verse number nine, it says, she shall give to thee to thine head an ornament of grace, a crown of glory shall she deliver to thee. You say, well, what's, what's all that about? What's crowns and this is best understood as a reference to your reputation. He said people are going to be able to see the impact of wisdom in your life. It's, it's an ornament of grace. It's a crown of glory. It, it's a shining light. If we're trying to make an application to our New Testament uh, God-given responsibility of witnesses, it's let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven, a direct connection between those good works, those good and godly works that God produces in my life and 
the wisdom that we read about in Proverbs, just the practical way that we live out God's truth. That's what it's talking about. I want to bring glory to God. I want to be a shining light. The ornament of grace, right? It, it, it's like, man, that's so perfect. We could really make a one-for-one one analogy with God's grace. And while that's not exactly what it's talking about, the application is still applicable. There is something that is very attractive to those that are hurting, to those who are looking for purpose and meaning and fulfillment. There is something that is distinct about a person who lives with wisdom, God-given wisdom, embracing that truth and letting it impact the way that I live my life. I, I want to be around people with my wife and for people to say, there's something different about that kind of, there's something different about that marriage or the way I interact with my kids or the way that I work or whatever it is. I want to be, I want that, I want to shine for Jesus Christ. I want his light to shine through me. And if I allow him, who is the source of wisdom, to, to work in my life and shine through me, that's exactly what will happen. And so it makes a difference in the lives of people that are around us. There's a lot that you can do, that God can do in your life if you'll just embrace wisdom. That's the kind of life that we want to live in. It's the kind of difference that we want to make.